Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Kathleen on the ones and twos. <laughs> Philip on the threes and fours. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. Welcome back. <laughs> the podcast that celebrates the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era, one film at a time. That's rad. I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Knoll. Um, how you doing, Kathleen? Uh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. As I was just uh, telling you uh, right before, uh, right before I, um, we started talking, I was watching a biography on Paul Lind. So, uh, like, I beg. Yeah. So, <laughs> how was that? Uh, how was that biography, Kathleen? It was fucking <laughs> fabulous, actually. Was it? I. Uh, he's just he's like such a funny and tragic figure, and I know. I've loved him since I was a kid. Like I remember watching him, like you know, and it just anyway. I'm already we're already jumping in, but uh, oh yeah, yeah let's do just... it. Um, yeah, so um, let's ju- so we can so let's talk about Paul Lynn because we're going to be discussing mm-hmm. the movie. We're going to be discussing the movie Glass Bottom Boat. That's right. Um, and this film is an MGM feature from mm-hmm. 1966. Um, glad you could join us this evening. Um, yes. So this movie features um, one Miss Doris Day starring as mm-hmm. Jennifer Nelson, um, Rod Taylor. Woo, we'll get back mm-hmm. to him later. Yes, Bruce, indeed. as uh, played by Bruce Templeton. Um, <laughs> Arthur Godfrey, Godfrey plays Jennifer's father, Axel mm-hmm. Nordstrom. Paul Lind, Paul Lund, mm-hmm. plays Homer Cripps. And Dom DeLuise <laughs> plays Julius Pritter. Mm-hmm. And Dick Martin plays Zach Malloy. The co- I mean, I just, yes. well, so the costumes of this movie are by Mr. Ray Ogion, uh-huh. which well, there's some information about him, and that's directed by Frank Tashlin. Yes. Um. So, what were you saying about Paul Lind? Oh, just that I um in uh you know kind of researching and stuff for this movie. I was watching in addition to some pretty awesome biographies on Doris Day, but um I was watching a couple of ones on um. On Paul Lynn, one of them, Mysteries and Scandals, <laughs> from, from E, you know, in the mid-90s. <laughs> I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with A.J. Benza, our, our man. Um, but it was really, you know, it's just really good. And I, I was just saying how much uh, I do, I really love Paul Lynn. And that um, I remember watching him, some of my earliest memories of watching television was watching Bewitched and with him as Uncle Arthur. And oh, so yeah. I think for me, even though, you know, I've, like, there's... It's out, people talk so fondly about him, and it sounds like he just was a real see you next Tuesday when he drank too much, but mm-hmm. um, and a complicated person. But as a kid, I just thought he was delightful. And even as I an mean, adult, I think he's delightful. <laughs> I wish he was my uncle so bad like I so doesn't like don't you do. wish that he was like he was like the uncle you got to visit in on the summer like you got to go to LA and like visit Uncle Paul and like hang there's, out with him he, and take you to Disneyland of, and like I mean, you know you get to swim I, every day in the pool like it's just I love it <laughs> I just imagine him with like a highball and a yes. shorty kimono yeah, just being like so kids tan. get out of the deep yeah, end exactly. <laughs> just, just flop sweats all the time you know yeah. like put upon but yet he just loves you being there you know stumbling around the pool he's just like i can't deal with you kids you're getting in my hair checking in on you when you're like you know a cigarette in his hand just a silhouette in the doorway just checking on you sleep and making sure you're okay you know just just making sure you're you're not stop breathing or anything because your mom your mom would kill me yeah your mom would simply kill me and she's a bitch <laughs> i'm gonna keep doing paul in love you uncle paul <laughs> 
<laughs> my favorite Paul Lynn. There's Ugh. two Paul Lynn stories. One is that there's this clip of him from Hollywood Squares um, in the documentary that's on Netflix called Do I Sound Gay? And yes, this po- yeah. documentary is about like this guy who's worried about his the way he speaks. It's actually the mm-hmm. documentary is fascinating because it kind of gives you an, a little bit of a so tangent central here. So it kind of gives you a bit <laughs> no. of a um, it kind of gives you a window into the world of a gay guy who's worried because there is this big huge worry amongst the gay community about sounding gay and passing mm-hmm. as straight and stuff right which is a bummer and like i've listened to our podcast i don't i don't sound straight so <laughs> i'm not worried about it um and i've i've grown to accept it but he they they point to him as being like the one that kind of was like the archetype of being the, the gay in the 70s and the way he talked yes and, stuff. and they show this clip of him on um because he was the center square in hollywood squares mm-hmm. for a very long time and they show the clip of him and the clip is that the host is asking um the question is when a man falls overboard they say man overboard what do they say if a woman falls overboard and paul Lynn's answer was full steam ahead <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this other story that's apparently like hollywood legend that Paul Lind was on a delayed flight that was stuck on the tarmac. And then there was a baby in the back of the flight that was screaming its head <laughs> off. And Paul Lind was like, shut that baby up before I fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I've heard this story before. And I'm like, I absolutely fucking love it. Because only in the 70s could you get away oh, with saying that real. and only could Paul Lynn for get real. away with saying and you know that was like, probably like 1977 78 which is oh literally God. the greasiest time in history a everybody's so scale. tan and sweaty they're just cocaine and amphetamines and you, all the time and you know Ugh. he's smoking in first class smoking. on like a Pan Am yes. flight yeah. from Palm Springs to Los Angeles literally a 30 yeah. minute flight like it's just chaining just, Paul Malls like, the entire time. The, or from Vegas to L.A., where it's like the shortest flight you've ever been on, and he Ugh. just can't deal with it. Anyway, um, yeah, so Paul Lind, R.I.P., we love you. Rest in paradise, rest yes. in power, love yes. you. Oh, my God. We, we is, love you, and he's you're, a you're amazing in this movie. <laughs> mm, yes, agreed. Um, yeah. So what you were talking a little bit, but before we got on mic about Doris Day as mm-hmm. well, because she yes, is, yeah. we did, we, we've talked about her before cause she was in, um, she was in Calamity Jane. Oh, Calamity Jane. I was like, that was, yeah. One of our first Calamity episodes. Jane, yes. and, and he gets your gun. Well, yeah, maybe. But yeah, well, that was, uh, no, we, we would, different, we almost different. got that confused. Yes. That Calamity Jane. One. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Judy Garland briefly before it was Betty. Yes. Hatton. Yeah. Yeah. But right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, so she was in Calamity Jane, and that was prior to this. So, yes, this is... Calamity Jane was actually uh, over ten years before this. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to put this in some perspective. Um, Doris Day was about forty-three, forty-four years old when she filmed this. Oh wow! And uh, her son was about uh, twenty-three, twenty-four years old, respectively, when she oh, filmed this. Wow. Terry Melcher, oh, who we'll, yes. we'll, we can talk about that later in another we'll, connection. But, we'll get to that. Yeah. I've, I've, I love but, uh, that. But I just want to put that in perspective. This is somebody who, she had a kid at 20. She was born in 1922. And so this is a woman in her mid-40s looking crisp. I just want to say <laughs> looking good. Looking. I just, because okay. yeah. I, I was like, I was yeah. I did a like a what, 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 what? Like, really? <laughs> and like, I just think you just need to say, because for a woman of a certain age, she looks fucking amazing. And I believe it was Edith Head who said she has she had the best behind in Hollywood. I may have to say that might be true. It just Mm. I don't know. At least maybe for the time, who knows? I mean, for a forty-year-old woman in the '60s, she kind of held up. Seriously, but I mean, she had she had a great wardrobe. Seriously, her wardrobe delivered the Mm -hmm. goods uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, It it delivered exactly what she needed to be in her persona. But but yeah, yeah, like um, what I was reading a lot about just. And, and just in seeing the biographies was that um, she was married to uh, Martin Melcher, who was one of the producers of this movie, and he produced a lot of her movies. And pretty much the entire time she was married to him, he, you know, he produced a lot of her movies and kept her working the entire time. And mm-hmm. he passed away very unexpectedly shortly after this movie, like by, it was like 68, I believe, 67, 68. And that's when she discovered that not only had he had basically 
poorly invested about approximately $20 million of her, her fortune. Her money was all gone. She owed almost a half million dollars in back taxes to the IRS. Yeah. And she she had been signed up. She had been committed to like a, a, for a few years to a, to doing her own like Doris Day TV show. So she had been signed up for work that she hadn't even. So she had to, and all of this like kind of just became uncovered when he died. And right. um, anyway, so it's a whole thing. And she ended up going on to do the Doris Day show. She ended up making all that money back and paying everybody back. But then, uh, and then she retired and basically just uh, left Hollywood with two fingers up and uh, raised a bunch <laughs> of dogs, and uh, you know, eventually moved up to Carmel and uh, has like a B and B up there, I believe, and uh, or down there. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. But um, she, she's still alive. She's one of those few people that we, when we do a podcast, that she's still alive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That she's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh, she outlived her son. He died of cancer in two thousand four, I believe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so crazy. I know it's it's it is crazy. <clears throat> it's crazy that she's like outlived like all of those people that she's worked with and stuff. Jesus. But uh, but yeah, like anyway, but but it really gave me a lot of insight into her and just also that 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 persona that she had been cultivated as as this sort of like forever virgin, <laughs> mm, and yeah. uh, and that had just really they had just really really. By the time the 60s hit, especially with the whole, like, the 60s was really starting to swing in, like, the mid-60s and stuff, and you were starting to see that, and, like, the, even just, like, you know, almost like a psychedelicness looking to to things. Um, they were really trying to, even through her 40s, trying to keep that virgin persona of what, or what I call, you know, like, non-threatening and still very fuckable, you know? Yes. And so they do it through <laughs> through her wardrobe, through her makeup, through all of that to, to really sort of push that that look and that feeling that she's still yeah. sort of this virgin and she later on would joke about it in interviews and about all of that and this whole like like and that she was somehow this sort of poster child for like no sex until marriage and she's yeah. like i'll be the first one to say that's a terrible idea you should absolutely <laughs> live with a person before you decide to marry them she's like maybe if i had decided to do that i you know like maybe people wouldn't go on to like you know she even cited the whole thing of like there's so many people like who go and have children and and then their marriage doesn't work out. And it's like, maybe if you would live with them first, then you would have, you know, like been able to figure out if that would have been compatible before you make that decision. But she was like, this was in an interview she did in like the eighties or something. And oh, I, wow. And yeah. And she had yeah. the way she talked reminded me a lot of, uh, when you watch interviews of like Mitzi Gaynor, like, oh, they have yeah, this very, like they're like... these little sort of tan, like blondes, <laughs> like they're very old, like leathery kind of tan, and they've got these short blonde hair, but they have this very knowing look. When they look in the camera and they're telling their story, they're like, they're like honey, been there, done that. Look at these eyes. Look at these yeah. eyes, you know? And, and it's does, just and like, actually, mm, okay. Interesting to think about, too, is that this is like, because she is one of the big famous things she's, um, one of the many things that she's famous for mm-hmm. is the the Doris Day Rock Hudson movies so yes. think about the um the big ones that she did with Rock Hudson was Pillow Talk in mm-hmm. 1959 Lover Come Back in 61 and Send Me No Flowers mm-hmm. in 64 so this is 66 so this is two years after she kind of wrapped the whole um Rock Hudson movie so she's she's not as young as she used to be mm-hmm. so to think about that she was still doing these kind of like you know, virginal roles. And that's actually in this film, they make her a widow. Yes. Her character, a widow in order to make sure that people understand, okay, there is a reason why she's unmarried at her age. And they very clearly show her with wedding ring. And then at Mm -hmm. some point looking at said wedding ring and thinking about it, then taking it off and being like, I'm ready, you know, (laughs) referencing the fact that she's Mrs. Mrs. Nelson. Like they make it very clear that there, she's like, She's a, she is a woman who is not a not she's not a not a young spry thing, but still. But she's like not a virgin, to, and it's but it's a right. she's a widower, so it's okay. So she was clearly yes. a virgin when she got married, and then the person died. So she's she's not really damaged goods. She's just no. damaged goods. <laughs> <laughs> And so they really want to make sure that she's oh still very God. non-threatening and fuckable by making sure that she has a tight tone body and a cute little page yes. boy outfit, you know, hair and an, a, com- yes. a complete wardrobe with not a, not a stitch of black, not a stitch nope. of black or dark at all, tons of white, 
you know, and and Virgin yellow, white. lots of yellow, lots, and, and yeah. mid green and pink, and uh, you know, no red lips, no like no eyeshadow, no no um, nail polish. Everything's clean, clean, natural. You know, natural by the '60s, still meaning she probably at least had like two layers of false eyelashes. But just, yes. but that's it. You know what I mean? Like they just did those really heavy like black eyelashes on her. And then yeah, she left even, her, even alone, her hair, you know? even her hair had the like the little like started doing. She started doing the bump in the back mm-hmm. where it was like like she was getting that sort of like the Barbara Streisand bump in the yeah, the, you know as the, and then it but was it was the, still sort very of like, like sort like of sandy blonde. It, like she yeah. had like she had a little bit of like dark roots and like it was yeah. more highlighted and like natural golden like mm-hmm. you know again non-threatening very non-threatening yeah. and like yeah. and then they put her in tons of like white little cotton dresses that showed off that crazy rich lady tan she had because only <laughs> yes. ladies of leisure and people with body makeup artists get that kind of tan oh my god good and good we, okay. christ almighty she was tan and speaking of tans this moves us right and no no tan friend. hate i'm just like damn she looks yeah. amazing like i well, could I mean, never it's, this... it's i just it's it's melanoma city but like you know like yeah. it, she looked amazing <laughs> yeah this is the like this is this this is the mid to late the mid the mid to late 60s so 66 so this would have yeah. been the beach boys era yeah why people know, be roasting in the sun up all, all up in los angeles it. you know yeah, coconut like oil Long Beach. all yeah. over yeah, yeah. no S- so, spf what to, no, it's like yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to our friend Rod Taylor, who is tan within an inch of his life. Oh my god, tan. Oh my god. so tan. He's... He is red. He's like roast beef. <laughs> his face in a couple of the scenes oh almost god. looks blistered. So like, <laughs> is it but... just is it like that? But then maybe like it's like tanned <sighs> on poppers. Are they like sweaty? Like I don't understand. I, th- I think it might be. I think it might be excessive drinking mixed with tanning because his well, face and also is remember, so um, red. I I, I oh. actually was thinking about this too because everybody looks not just like super energetic and super tan, but like always kind of slightly sweaty. And I was thinking like my mom. Oh, yeah. I my mom at this time. My mom was born in 1950. And actually, I grew up in Long Beach, which is sort of where this kind of is supposed to take place. And um, my mom was put on diet pills at 16 oh, years yeah. old, at, at like at that time, like mid 60s, that were basically speed. Like th- that Dexedrine. is that was yeah. yeah that, probably those are like something legal, some upper. legal, uh, yeah, amphetamines. And so I just yeah. think about like oh, like all those people are just probably hopped up on uppers, like oh, yeah. just or quaaludes. Just... They're on quaaludes at any point. Yeah, like, it's just bad news bears. Oof. But I do want to go on the record and just talk about shirtless Rod Taylor at the beginning of this okay. movie. Okay, you know what? That's that's a that's real. Ooh. No, no, he looked good. He looked good. And the short shorts, on, and he's on his boat. The she wins. <laughs> Rod. Taylor, <laughs> where have you been all my life? Oh my God! Oh, girl, yeah. girl, you look good. You know the minute this movie started, he's got like the hairy was... chest, kind of like you know. Yeah, he oh, looks good. He's just girl. natural, okay. natural. Like he's a natural you man. Know, I mean, I'm I know. going on the record. I love me a big old her. Um. <laughs> And the minute he came on screen, I was like, pause, I know. Google, yeah. Google image search, shirtless Ron Taylor. <laughs> I was like, I need to slow this down because yeah. it wasn't a long enough scene. No, no, you're right. Asked, he's he's, it was he, he's a good looking man. He's a good looking older man. Let me tell you. Because, big, uh, yeah. Built like a brick shit house. Yep, oh, yep. Barrel my God. chested. Barrel chested. Good guard. I actually yeah. wrote down, I'm like. I want to hug I'm, him. I'm, I'm like, ladies, ladies. <laughs> When we say dad bod, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Rod Taylor in glass because he looked boat. good. He, that is he a was dad like bod. toned. He was trim. He yes. was toned. He wasn't cut. Yeah, but he just he mm-hmm. didn't have like um, he was a little soft, but like he was, but he was tan. He had a little hairy chest. He but looked this good. This is a man who used. This is a man who's done. And his some hands. Lifting. You see those hands? Is, oh, oh god, those, those are hands ooh, and arms. Ooh, yeah, he has a, no. That's a real working yeah. man. That's no plastic surgery. <laughs> that's nothing fake. That is real. I mean, yeah. He just. This is a man good. who knows his way yeah. around an engine. Yeah. This is the man who knows his way around a trunk. Oh, and you know, he, and you know, he can <laughs> he can mow a lawn in his sleep. Yeah. And that's and that's with like like a push mower, like the gas push yeah. mower, and then he edges mm-hmm. and he does that yeah. for fun. That's for fun. I would. Yeah. I would in a white shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I would pay to watch this man sweat. Yeah, just it's sorry, just putting it out there. Yeah, TMI. I don't care. Um, He's from a time when like yard shirtless. work was fun. You know, mm, like. yeah, because you just, I mean, you. I would gladly bring him out lemonade. Yeah, like, lemonade for you, Mr. Rod Taylor. <laughs> 
You don't know me. I live three states away. <laughs> <laughs> I just, as I said, like his, and also his boat is called the Sea Whiz. I love that. <laughs> the Sea Whiz. <laughs> I did see that. I was his, like, that's corny. And his shorts are so short, but they actually look good. They fit really good. They're like, short as fuck, they, and they're also up to his navel. Yeah. Like, they are real high. <laughs> they're real high. <laughs> but you know, okay, first but, of you know, all, you look know good. that. You look good. His ass looks good, Ray, yeah, it did. But you know Ray Agion was on oh, set yeah. just being like, yeah, we need to make those shorts a little shorter. <laughs> Don't worry. You look good. You look good. You look fine. You look fine. No. We could take those in and make them a little tighter. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to take the next 20 minutes to fan myself. That's fine. <laughs> You know, because yeah. we haven't had very much good beefcake on these. No, uh, on, no, on and you know what? Movies, and this is one of the first good beefcakes we've had. No, it's, he, it's I had a, yeah, I had a serious moment where I'm like, ooh. No, okay. no, he is a good looking <laughs> man, and you know what? I actually was able to find on YouTube. I think it was yesterday. I found some like outtakes or like from from them uh, like filming this, and oh, like really? where they're kind of hugging and doing stuff, and the way he hugs her, I was like, mm. Like, like kind of like, because he kind of like kind of nuzzles her, and I was like, mm, yes, yes. And she looks like she's having a lot of fun. And I'm, she, sure I, I'm like, girl, I hope you get it. I hope you got yeah. it. I hope you got it. I saw what I saw what Martin Melcher looked like. I hope you got it. Yeah. So, I hope yeah. that was his gift to you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, a- I'm taking all your money, but I'm just gonna slip your rod. So. <laughs> 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 All right, fine. I just wow, that was the the euphemisms just write themselves. Just just keep them coming. Um. Okay. Well, now that we've properly um yeah objectified Rod Taylor, I'm sorry, both of them. uh, We just are nah, but yeah. Anyway. Um. Oh my God, there's so much, so much good stuff to talk about this movie. Dick Martin was really hilarious. Uh. Yes. I I love Dick Um, Martin. It made me. Oh. I also ended up watching a bunch of uh, Rowan and Martin's laughing because of that. Okay. Because yeah. Because he's most famous for hosting. Yes. For host co-hosting laughing, which I was like, why do I know him? And then it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's still good. It's so good. Still good. So actually, Rowan Martin um, Laffin started the next year in '67 and ran through '73, yep. which I thought was really cool. So I think um, I'm not. I wonder if this kind of got his foot in the door. His career. I'm not either. I I don't know what his. I want to know. I'm interested to know more about his about his history. But, he has um, like a weird he was, like he's kind of creepy, but then like lovable too, and dumb, and like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dumb. <laughs> Yeah, but he's pretty good. I loved him. He was really good. Yeah. Um, interesting to think about. Yeah, well, I, um, I, I just like I like Rowan and Martin's laughing when I when he's in that, um, and I just, I, we could we could probably do a whole like uh, episode on like Rowan and Martin's laughing and the looks in there because like yeah. it's crazy sixties. But yeah, watching this movie, I felt like there was a weird six degrees of separation because between that and like bewitched because you had Paul Lind and oh, then you yeah. had like Mr. And Mrs. Kravitz <laughs> from bewitched. playing the exact yeah. same character. Too. Same so Alice, yeah. So Alice, Alice Pearson, uh, Alice Pearson, George Tobias and or played so the good. neighbors. Um, and they played literally played the exact, same co- so um, couple funny. on Bewitched, and the film was released three months after the death of Alice I'm, Pierce. Yeah, which was interesting to read about. Too, she must. We, uh, she seemed like a delightful person because everything I yeah. know we've read about her sounds like everybody knew her very fondly. Like she was friends with everyone. Like she yeah, seemed and like she a really was great in, person. Yeah, and she was also in On the Town. That's right. Um, back, yeah. which was her her role in that which was really and good. i believe she um, did it on stage as well like she she was yeah, asked yeah. yeah so like she she when went we way back she that. went way back with all yeah. the greats and uh and she was a fantastic character actress i love her she's like she really makes a like play of her weird face and her little t-rex arms like there's so many times <laughs> i caught her where she literally had her arms of like a t-rex and she just would have that weird look on her face and her little dresses and she just oh She's the best. She's so just good. the absolute like she's a treasure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, and like, but there was that, and then yeah, then the connection to like Rowan and Martin's laughing. I just it was uh, it was really interesting, and so I ended up watching a bunch of that, and and yeah, we're we're gonna have to definitely go back 
to that and uh, and like go into this more like this this uh, Los Angeles in the mid the mid to late 60s era, which is very, very no, it's so kind of like it's so fascinating. It's it's uh, it looks beautiful. It's like you kind of want to be there. And it seems like you almost are like you watch these and it seems it's so hyper color and so hyper real. And everybody's just so like just excited and sweaty and like, you know, you just feel like you're right there. And um, it's very interesting um, to also think that like, that was like 50 years ago and it doesn't feel that far for me. It doesn't feel like that time was that far away. Sometimes when you watch these, especially this movie, yeah. cause like even um, there's definitely different shots, especially like in the office and where they work at, at NASA was what <laughs> <laughs> again, I, I wrote on my list of uh, good and bad things on my under bad things. I have stupid science and robots because there's, oh my <laughs> there's God. a lot the going on fucking, here. I'm just like, the fucking clink, clink, <laughs> beep, so boop. It was yeah. so dumb. <laughs> so much, so much like it was like living Jetsons. It was very, oh my very God. So, so wait, so we forgot, I forgot to ask, do you have a history with this film? Oh, at all? um, or I, just, just kind of what we were talking about. I really, I don't particularly remember watching this movie yeah. in particular, but I, there are so many elements around and and then involved this movie that I, I've seen and I'm so well versed in. Like I'm really well versed in in laugh in, and I'm really mm-hmm. well versed in Bewitched, and and yeah. uh, and you know, and and uh, so I, I feel like maybe I did see it or maybe I don't, but I don't have any direct memory except that when I did watch it, I was just really like, Oh, this is a, this is quite a romp. Like I was like, Oh, this is, and then it just really, yeah. So that was kind of my own, um, that. And also too, I don't know if you noticed, but, and I, I couldn't find anything online to see if there was any connection, but I felt a strong SpongeBob SquarePants vibe to this whole thing. Too. Oh my god, yeah! Like now like the font, the There's font a... style, even just the like the music was yeah. very like SpongeBob. And then I was thinking like like about like um, you know, just the whole land of like bikini bottom, and then like sa- yeah. and then sandy cheeks. And I was like, is that Doris Day? You know, like kind of <laughs> just I don't know. I have no idea, but it ha- I had a very like. And there's a very, um, I would almost say this movie is like a tiki movie, because and I oh, love and I yes. love all things tiki. So yeah. to me, it's like I'm definitely gonna put this up there as far as like I would totally watch this like sitting at a tiki bar on mute. Oh, I think that would good be super God, fun. yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. I think um, I honestly don't have. I this is the, being the first time I've ever watched it as mm-hmm. well. I did, I did have a little bit of history with it because um, be oh, slight a minor history of it because I was. Um, you know, by proxy because I'm obsessed with Bob Mackie. And, of course, um, Ray, yeah. And Ray Agion was his um, business partner and life partner for a very long time. So I knew about this movie sort of through my research and stalking of Mr. Mackie. Mm-hmm. Um, internet stalking. Let's not get <laughs> crazy about it, guys. It's nothing serious. Oh, um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so Let's I face it. There's laws in California to prevent that from happening. It's <laughs> fine, guys. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, so um, so I had kind of knew about this in my per- knew about this movie in, per- in my periphery just because of that, but mm-hmm. I had not watched it, but I do totally agree with you. This movie does have a very sort of like swinging 60s. It's very, it's very swinging 60s tiki vibe. Like they yes. did a very good job of like making it look very specific to that time it's very mm-hmm. it looks very contemporary to the 19 like mid to late 60s and yeah it's very like it is very surfing in the usa wish they all could be california girls yes like it's like it's a very slice of life be, in yeah. that way and yeah. and it, i you kind of want to be there like i'm not gonna lie oh, yeah. it's like you want to be in the sun it's some, i wish you know. <laughs> there was more though i wish that there was less beat boop and more beach boop yes yeah. No, I I wish there uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it definitely I mean it I I mean honestly it's like I, this made me want to watch like more of like the Bleach Beach Blanket Bingo or like the Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon movies or those sort of like surfing movies from those era because yeah. there would have been more of that and even you know like the you know the Elvis Hawaii movie you know there would have been some great stuff in that like I just feel like this one this movie was did, no it was yeah. it was definitely very nanners especially like I, yeah, I think of God, like yes. I, it was super nanners especially like that I, what I loved were was like the sets and the houses because first of all uh i could i could live in jennifer's house i could live in doris day's house oh like that God, that was like the most i could house. take the best nap in that house <laughs> with all with the dogs and the animals. i would i would just i just i would nap so good but then the and then the other one i loved i freaking 
love her, where her her dad and stepmom live. Yeah, uh, I want that. I want to live in Catalina yeah. on their sweet little like tiki grandparent house. Like they are, they're like the cutest tiki couple ever. So awesome. And then, but then there's like. You know, uh, uh, Rod Taylor's. I'm, I'm sorry. What's his name? Bruce. Like there, there's yeah, his house, house, which is clearly it's like a bordello that was built on a prescri- like designed on like some sort of prescription amphetamine fever dream. Because <laughs> totally. there's like, there's like it's very. He's got like the beep boop kitchen, but then he's got like this crazy looking like casino looking kind of living room oh my God. but then he's got like bedrooms that are outside like literally like it reminds me of like a bordello or like a hotel where you go inside he's and got then like each house, one's a different color yeah. he's got like the all blue yeah. bedroom the all red bedroom which I kind of love the all blue bedroom to be honest like that yeah. one was actually kind of but awesome, he also but... has like it's <sighs> very it's very much like it's very like bachelor patty with like Super, it's very yeah. Hollywood, it's very Hollywood Hills it's like it's got like guest house and houses that have like open atriums and like all yes, this very yeah, like, open it's, concept. It's very, it's, it's it was very super, bizarre. Super fun. Yeah. But, I mean, someone like this movie, honestly, let's be honest, this movie has no idea what kind of movie it wants to be. No, it's it doesn't. Like, is it a musical? No. Is it not a musical? Is no. it a comedy? Is it a space movie? Like, we have no clue what this movie We have no idea. Is it a spy movie? They kept touting it as a spy movie. Yeah, it's is not it a very spy movie? Is it a comedy? You know? And then, was, uh, then it yeah. has that weird, almost like Monty Python esque, like, animation in the beginning which is very weird yeah. and there's just a lot going on in it that's very i'm sure at the time seemed very forward or they were being very hip but it's also like to me it's it's like this is mgm this is mgm when it's like on yeah. its deathbed and, and honestly really I, is, I remember yeah. reading um there's a wonderful site called doorstay.net there's a and there's a lot of great information on this movie and and uh, sort of the making of it but uh also too at that time like people like not only was like MGM dying, and I think uh, like the the codes were weakening so much that they were like, "Fuck oh, you," yeah. you know, and that they just didn't yeah. even know what to do with themselves. You know, they're like, "Look at it, we can show Doris Day's belly button, and we'll put a jewel in it." Woo, you know, like it's very <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, you're really being young and hip. <laughs> And, and then it's like, let's take all these, like, you know, really sweaty, tan, 40-year-old madmen guys and throw in some sweaty, tan, 20-year-old women and see what happens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's laughing. Actually, that's laughing, yeah. too. <laughs> but um, yeah, I it mean, was a weird think time. About it, yeah, think about it. You have to, th- you have to consider what's, what was happening in, like, um, movies – at this time a man for all seasons came out in 66 blow up came out in 66 um fantastic voyage alfie came out Mm -hmm. in 1966 the batman original movie came out like the good bad and the ugly came out so like movies were kind of changing our man flint came out in 66 like movies were kind of changing and moving away from this like holistic like wholesome view of movies and was moving more towards and then you know the movie that everyone says sort of changed everything which was easy rider came out in 69 so yeah you know these these movies it changed things so no and it's true um, and it's funny because things I, were changing we were first, and yeah well and, and you can see you can see that transition in this sort of like niche part of history that they're showing in this movie and um and I remember, like early on, you had you had sent me like a it was like a New York Times article on this movie, like a review, and it was super shady. Like oh, yeah. the guy was like, "Whatever, right. another Doris Day movie. This is why why does she need to be a widow?" And like honestly, he's asking the kind of questions we would actually be asking today. When I was I was rereading it, I was like, "This is a very, it's like a modern take that was even being asked like 50 years ago." It makes a lot of sense, but also too, yeah. like. Uh, um, it, but but it, even though like it's this is totally one of those movies that like if you look it up critics hated and panned this movies users actually you know like regular people kind of liked it it was a really fun yeah. weird ass movie and in fact it was um it was well for MGM it was their third highest grossing movie that year so it, it did oh, it wow. did well I mean it paid the bills it's not like it was some it wasn't an Oscar winner by any means but no. it did pay the bills in sense of like it wasn't like. We were like, is it a singer series? I'm like, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's got a lot of redeeming qualities to it that makes it not a stinker. The end the end left a little yeah. to, to be desired, but but she I had mean, some looks. It was a it, 
I feel like yeah. Paul Linden yeah, and drag and movie, like made yeah. it work, you know, more than anything. So. Paul Linden drag. Oh my god. I mean, he it was, was actually everything. impressive. Like everything fits so well on everybody. You have to admit, like this, even though it was 1966 and everybody's hopped on amphetamines, you still had MGM quality fitting clothes and costumes. Oh my like, god, shit yeah. Was on fucking point. Even if it was like swinging totally. 60s, Doris Day's dresses fit her perfectly perfect oh my god there yeah. was not there wasn't a drag line in sight those suits were amazing on all those guys with the skinny ties and the skinny pants like shit fit great you know on everybody um agreed yeah um yeah so um before yeah so actually the costume designer ray Agian, oh, as yeah, i was yeah. saying um i just pulled some brief information about him so he was born in iran and immigrated to america where he began designing for television in 1957 so Agian was tasked with designing the costumes for um, Doris Day in this film. He uh, was working in TV for much of his career, um, and notably the Judy Garland show in 1963, where he gave um, one Mr. Bob Mackie his first (gasps) on-screen credit as assistant costume designer. Dude! Um, Bob tells this amazing story on this this interview online for, I think I want to say it's for the Paley Center, where he says that, you know, the costume designer he's like costume designers uh, become always become sort of the de facto like onset therapist for the actresses so ray used to get oh, calls for sure. in the middle of the night from judy garland being like i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it and Aww. so he's just like yeah he's like she was he's like you know it was intense so um yeah that's a re- it's a really fascinating interview and i i recommend everyone look that up but um he also designed the costumes for the opening and closing ceremonies of the los angeles olympics in 1984 he also nice. worked on um on films such as dr Doolittle in 67 uh funny lady in 75 and lady sings the blues in 72 which he worked in tandem with um bob mackie those both of those movies were nominated for oscars and wow. he actually uh was also nominated he um, was nominated for another film he was also nominated for gaily gaily in 69 so he's nominated for three oscars for costume design but never won Um, wow yeah and then like i was saying he actually worked with uh, was partners uh life partners with bob for a very long time and they actually were um owned a costume shop in california um, in la called elizabeth courtney mm-hmm. they owned that for a very long time along with another costume designer named rhett taylor so they um owned that up until a f- want to say the mid 2000 aughts so they ended up closing that shop um fairly recently wow yeah which is a bummer because I've gotten to visit it and it was really cool. Oh my gosh. So amazing. amazing. So rad. So yeah. So all the costumes that um, Doris Day wears, wears in this movie is all Ray Agion originals. And you sent me that um, really cool like promo video that they had shot for it where there's like all the looks from the movie. There's like yes, this yeah. weird thing where it was almost like cotton, like the American Council for Cotton had like yes. sponsored the movie or something. That's the one. So yeah, I, yeah. They were like cool? really interestingly like showing all the cotton clothing that she was wearing in the movie and it was like all this like so funny and like showing her all this stuff and they even show her in like costume tests and there's illustrations and stuff there's like the costume illustrations and those are clearly Bob Mackie sketches like you could tell they're very Bob Mackie sketches um I love it. Yeah, I even posted. I even posted on Instagram the costume test of her in the Mermaid Tale, um, and there's the illustration in the foreground, and it's clearly a Bob Mackie sketch because so he illustrated cool. everything for all of them. And she looks so cute in that. I I love like sometimes when you see those like um, j- they're just doing that. Like I don't think anyone expected those to be things people would look at later. And like even in that, I'm like oh I'm like oh Doris, you look so cute. Look at you. She looks so, so cute. cute. <laughs> um, actually, and in the com- the mermaid costume worn by Doris Day in the opening scene is now on display at the, the Cal- Catalina Casino, and is on um is can be viewed on the casino tour. Yes, and if anyone that. actually can you know if you could ever make it out to Catalina Island I highly recommend it it's really really beautiful and you can actually take glass a glass bottom boat tour and see all the really cool like sea life and stuff in the Pacific Ocean and um, Catalina is just an amazing place it's this crazy little island off of the coast of Southern California and like people drive golf carts it's like miniature it's 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 really cool and it's been around like people have been going there 
for for decades as like sort of a resort place to go to the beach and everything and um yeah so definitely uh this is a fun yeah this was a great movie in that it's it's a it's a very california movie i guess you could say it's kind of one of those like love letters to california at a certain time totally um um, did you want me to get into the storyline of the film yeah. Real quick. Okay. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, it's a brief one. I mean, it's a pretty. Um, luckily, this movie has a lot of really long sequences about technology. So there's no. Oh no, kidding! Yes, it. exactly. There's, <laughs> there's not. There's not. I'm like, do we really need a two minute sequence of a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> no, no. In fact, yeah, you're right. The story, the story plot is quite brief. But um, despite that, yes. Doris Day has some amazing looks, and I think that that makes up for oh, a lot. Yeah. And yeah. And, sure. we'll, and we'll talk about that. Exactly. So, um, so as so, this story we um, the film opens up with a glass bottom boat tour off of um, Santa Catalina Island, um, Cal- um, in California. It's run by Axel Nordstrom, played by Arthur Godfrey. Um, Jennifer Nelson, played by Doris Day, um, his widowed daughter, is set up nearby in a mermaid costume, where she will be swimming underneath the boat for the passengers' amusement. Um, but not today. Uh, Jennifer ends up getting <laughs> snagged by a fishing hook and loses her bottom half of her costume. It turns out. Bruce Templeton, played by the shirtless Rod Taylor. Um, his fishing hook, uh, his fishing hook snags her costume. He reels in this um, her garment, leaving Jennifer floating in the water, water sands pants. So uh, she swims away enough. Um, later that day at work, Jennifer discovers that Bruce is a top scientist at her um, at her new place of employment, um, a NASA Aerospace Research Laboratory in Long Beach, where she works in public relations. So Bruce is working on a new project for artificial gravity called Gizmo. Oh my god, I can't uh, with the technology in this movie. Just, <laughs> anyway, just, just stupid science, stupid, 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 stupid science. science. Uh. Uh, so it turns out that this technology is proving to be very um, interesting to the Russians. So there's that sort of subplot. So Templeton recognizes Jennifer at the research laboratory where she's giving tours to visiting dignitaries. And Bruce then hires her um, for a new full-time assignment. He wants her to be his biographer and write his life story because of all the things that he'll be doing with going into space and all that stuff. So this is just a ploy. He wants to get more FaceTime with Jennifer because he's smitten with her. Um, Bruce has his operatives um, dig up all he can about Jennifer in order to use all this material um, as information to get closer to her. So um, they spend a lot of time together and they sort of get a little closer and the budding couple eventually end up at Bruce's home where he's having repairs done to his in-house sound system by Julius Pritter, played by a very young Dom DeLuise. Um, Naturally, comedy hijinks ensue because it's Dom DeLuise and he can't not be sweaty and funny. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, oh jeez what what ladies and gentlemen Dom DeLuise uh. Uh, so it turns out that Pritter is some dim-witted spy and is feeding information to the Ruskies so while the laboratory security chief Homer Cripps played by Paul Land <laughs> is spying on Jennifer he observes some mysterious behavior curious code like phone calls um, <laughs> who's Vladimir <laughs> Vladimir um, this leads him to conclude that Jennifer is a Soviet spy um, to prove his suspicions he has Jennifer put under surveillance at the big party that Bruce is hosting uh, Jennifer overhears their spy suspicions on the phone and he also hears she also hears Bruce explain how he's only using the biography as a ploy to get close to Jennifer and that he was lying the whole time um, after this Jennifer sets out to turn the tables on them and the bumbling crips by pretending that she is a spy at one point, Cripps ends up in drag in order to spy on Jennifer in the powder room. And all I have to say to that is, oh, no, she better don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Shantae. And clearly, Shantae used it. Um, so the charade eventually ends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm just thinking about what RuPaul would say if Paul Lynn in drag was up for elimination. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like Paul Lind, you were giving us five o'clock shadow elegance. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, what the fuck would Paul Lind say to RuPaul when he yeah. says that to him? <laughs> because yeah. it would probably hurt. It would hurt. <laughs> yeah. Paul Lind, Shantae, you stay. Um, so Anywho, so the charade eventually exposes the real spy as a mole for the CIA, Edgar Hill, played by Eric Fleming. So they had a man on the inside. And then after a rollicking chase sequence, um, all ends up well, and Bruce and Jennifer speed away in a boat decked out with just merry tin cans. And the end. Yes. So it wraps up in a sweet little bow at the end. Uh, um, I mean. Whatevs. Yeah, so. What are you going to do? Um, I hate yeah, that so stupid boat. I, know. <laughs> I hate that stupid boat because it makes her look stupid. There, she has, and don't yeah. get me wrong, I think she is very, very funny. I do think Dorsey is really fucking funny as fuck. And, um, yeah. but there are just some things I, I don't like where it's like, you know, it's like, mm, uh, lady too stupid to use, uh, le- like, mm, this technology. Te- the technology. I just yeah, can't, I can't even. I'm like, is, ta- is this yeah. table nailed down? Is it nailed down? Because I'm about to flip it. You know, like, it just, yeah. like, especially I'm like, bitch, how old is she? Like, did you, she, she's a mermaid in cattle. No, no, don't. Like, I just, <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's, a uh, it, it's still, it was still really fun to watch. Um, the, the whole, like, the Paul Lind and drag thing, as we mentioned, like, oh, it actually was God. his first and only time he was in drag ever in any of his... Oh, I know, because we would think, we would think that we would have sought, like, in your mind, you're like, surely I would have... Nope, that was the only time. And, uh, oh, my God. He looked yeah. amazing in drag, too. He, he actually like looked really amazing. That wig so was so good. And his so his good. dress fit really well, and his makeup was done great, and he stood really well, and he had, like, little gloves and his clutch and, like, the whole deal. Uh-huh. But, you know, what little it was really clutch. interesting is, like, I noticed, you know, because, I, you know, me and I love I love Data. Um, this is the – not only is this the second Doris Day film we have watched, this is the second Doris – this also fe- featured a man in drag getting sort of like derobed, <laughs> and I think that's oh, very yeah. interesting. It's like this is yet another movie, and it was made; these were both made really far apart, but they do feature a clearly a, you know, an effeminate or like, you know, man or like gay character who eventually ends up in drag and like almost oh, reluctantly, yeah. and then it gets like derobed at some point in a very you know like spoofy kind of way. It was very, yeah. it was very interesting, and I was like, "Is this like a Doris Day bit? Like, is this a thing that that like, is this like something they feel comfortable s- doing with her? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I, hey, I'm not mad at it. I just thought it was very interesting that like these are like, I'm like this is a very interesting sort of uh, bit that seems to like a complex bit that was set up again, you know, in in, in her yeah. in a vehicle for her. So, um, yeah, food for thought. Yeah, at the very least. There was also that weird. There was that also the weird dream sequence thing where, um, where Rod Taylor's character Bruce was told that she might be a spy and all this stuff. She's oh a, yes! Know, oh my Hari. gosh! <laughs> and there's this like he goes through this weird like seeing her as like a spy and her in the in the Matahari costume, which is sort of besides the the mermaid is the iconic costume of the movie because it's like yeah. the bejeweled sort of thing with the headdress and like the halter top and she's doing sort of like a French accent and it's very like it's I mean it's interesting because the costume is like like super bomb and oh like, I know and, and she I has like that, full like, like I would say like 1960s Vegas showgirl makeup like that is with oh, that yeah, heavy totally. white lid and like it looks oh, yeah. so and it looked amazing you know but yeah, and, and again, like, I'm just looking at that. I'm like, she's got to be, she's 44. She's like 43, oh, yeah. 44 years old. Like, she looks stunning. She looks stunning. She looks stunning. The costume, the costume is really cool looking, and I love the costume. And like, but I wish that, I just wish it was, there was more of that sort of thing. Or yeah. like, 
more of the thing. It was just like she literally less than like five seconds. I know. I know. I'm like, like you just so you want to cool. build like a whole movie of like wh- like how can we make a vehicle where she just wears things like this the whole time? Because I know. Lo- I'm sorry, like not to be like, but like look look at that. Look at her. Look at look at or her. Like a lo- look at or like, look at her. <laughs> or like a longer dream sequence yes, or something. Or yeah. Like, you know, it just would have yeah. been so fun to utilize that sort yeah. of thing. And maybe it was longer. You never know. Well, but, um, you know, and what was really interesting too about that scene was, um, and I even sort of wrote it in my notes. It starts off where she, you see her, um, even they do almost like a, a shot where you, you almost see like, like she's wearing this dress that looks like a beautiful, like fitted dress, and she looks very nice, mm-hmm. and she's putting on music, and you can tell it's like, ooh, she's set in the mood, and then it turns where you see her back, and that whole dress is cut all the way down like to her waist. It's like a low cut back dress so it really cute dress it's it's and it fits her beautifully and it's just tiny tiny little buttons down like just under the v of the back so it's it's got like a square cut neck in front i modest but again very very attractive looking but then at the back is just cutting this beautiful sexy like backless look but what i find is very interesting is then then she has like of course a matching jacket which is so mgm we love you know like the matching coat to go with with a sailor Mm -hmm. collar and to me this is the epitome of like this is this sums up doris day right here in a nutshell this wardrobe is that well, yeah. it's like it's soft all very colors. It, exactly. It's soft colors. You see her legs. You see her gorgeous legs. You see her gorgeous figure. You see her gorgeous curves. You see her gorgeous, sexy back. But then there's also like the sailor collar, the page boy hair, the like these other things that are almost like infantilizing that they're sort of doing that. Like oh, yeah. it's so they're so clearly doing that whole like sexy, like sexy baby, sexy baby. <laughs> like it's very, it's very <laughs> odd when you're, she's clear. 40 something you know um yeah and and i just um, or they're trying to do it where it's like matronly without being a mother yeah yeah look less like like she's not she's clearly not gonna look like a sex pot so no but but like she's let's face it she's by the time she's doing the glass bottom boat she's she's not just somebody's mom she's somebody's mom who's like in college you know what i mean like like that's that's the thing is it's like it's very interesting to see like how they they she was utilized as this as this vehicle as this persona for so long that was really yeah. so completely the opposite of who she really was. Really, you know. But it, yeah, but you got to kind of respect not completely the, fact that she's the opposite still because I'm sure she, there's yeah. a lot of those good like, you know, she's even said like, you know, again calamity jane was her favorite film she feels like that really was a reflection of like sort of her personality and who she is so it sounds like there was her some of her that was real but then the other parts this sort of this persona that they were putting on she's even she's like come on like who does that you know and it it is it's an impossible achievement really Yeah, but I actually don't. I kind of like the fact that they utilized a woman that of that age and still made her the lead in the movie and was still yeah. like, the love interest of the movie. Granted, by today's standards, it would have been nice to see her be a little bit more of a complex character. But yeah. like, we're talking about like 1966. I mean, people they didn't treat women very well back then or female characters back then well. So it's nice to see her at least being represented in a oh, way. You know? Oh, no, I for mean, sure. For worth, no, yeah, you know? no, I, 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 mean, I think there's definitely two sides to the coin in this movie, for sure. Yeah. There's some, like, there's some obvious, like, uh, you know, patriarchy and some crazy-ass misogyny. Oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's, fat, there's, there's fat shaming. There is slut shaming that I'm super uncomfortable with, like, oh, the, God, these yeah. implications. But, but then I love how it's, like, it, she builds up all this rage and, like, like, she actually, like, sort of, like they're slut shaming, but then she sort of calls him out and punishes him for it. So there is that back and forth, but yeah. still just the fact that it's happening in the first place is just so like eye rollingly frustrating and terrible. And, you know, and the yeah. other thing is like, you know, personally, I think she has a wonderful life. I don't know about you, but her life just looked just fine to me before yeah, she even yeah. met this guy. It just, she seemed like pretty all right. You know, she's got her own house. She's She's got a sweet car. She's got a great dad. Who's got a cool, like, you know, wife and, and they've got a gig and she goes and does that on the weekends. She gets to, she's gets to be a goddamn mermaid. Like she gets to be a mermaid on her spare time. And she lives in a house full of animals. Yeah, exactly. She's got a beautiful (laughs) wardrobe and, and you know, I don't know. I'd be, I would be okay with her life. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it, there's always that like, woe is me. I don't have a man in it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. It's, 
It's you're gonna find that in every movie. I from know. These eras. Just, it's I know. I mean, it's it wouldn't be MGM without it, but it's it's uh, a yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be 1966 without it. <laughs> for sure. Um, for sure. Sadly. Was there any? Oh my god, her. Okay, the the looks at the party too. Just yes. even like I know her oh party gosh. look was really gorgeous with that gorgeous. Like white with the flat with the daisies all over it. I but loved also it. Also, all of the background actors in that. Oh that please, scene too. there were there so like, many full bouffants oh, and beehives and like and it, you it could totally was. tell it was like like you were saying it's like this is transitional because this is totally like you, you get that almost like almost like Mad Men Kennedy vibe, but then people mm-hmm. are starting to do the almost like sixties dancing and. You you can see that sort of like slowly going in like you see these bell sleeves you see the a-line dresses but you're still seeing like white gloves when people like when people dress up it's still full-on like white gloves oh, yeah. hair done floor-length dresses like when you go to a cocktail party you are done it is there's no cash to that um and it's just very yeah, totally. I, it's but it still feels very cal that is so like that is so 19 like mid 60s california that this movie is just a complete snapshot really of that yeah. that look and sort of that that eclecticness of what was going on and that you can really see that transition of people like transitioning out of the early 60s into the later 60s like big time yeah, and big I, time in this yeah i really i really want to like tell uh, like if you if you do watch this movie definitely pay attention to the party scene especially in the background For sure. because there's a lot of like there's a lot of these weird shots where they kind of like go across the screen and stop on like two women and then like and dom Deluise kind of pops up between them and there's they're really beautifully dressed they have like beautiful big like b- wiglets on the top and then there's actually oh. jewels like kind of like weaved in their hair i mean like really so cool good. stuff is being done with these background costumes oh my gosh. like they they look very like they look very sit like so good i'm very like snapshots those just heavy heavy like uh, like you know they're wearing like those oh heavy false eyelashes like everyone yeah. there's not every woman has false eyelashes on and they just uh, and then and and, like white it. gloves like white hold, i know we love and then like white gloves holding cocktails <laughs> and then like their shoes are like the pointy toed shoes with the small like stiletto heels and just Oh, it's so good. So, so So good. good. But yeah, you're right. Everybody's beautiful. Like the background extras and everybody is just gorgeous. And you're right. Like the men's suits. I love, I love a good mid sixties men's suit. I feel like that's what we're trying to do today and not doing it as well. It's just, uh, we're like, it's like not, but I, it's like they had those slightly pegged pants, um, and, and like a more fitted suit. It wasn't as boxy as it had been in, in the, um, in the fifties there. And then they had this, yeah. like the small, like slim skinny tie. Um, but they were still sort of had all the traditional elements of it. Like, you know, the tie tacks and the, and the handkerchiefs and like a lot of those, uh, you know, in the, sh- in the shiny shoes and all those kind of things and the hair kind of done, but it was, it was starting to, it was starting to sort of uh, tighten up a little bit, which gave it a, like a more youthful appearance, and it just looks great. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looked really, really, really good. good. Even like just even so Rod tan, Taylor like tan people of too. leisure, like for real, like just so yeah. tan. <laughs> yeah, but um, Rod Taylor's sportswear too, like his sort of like oh, leisure yeah, wear was for really sure. good. Like he, there was like when he got his suit got sprayed with the seltzer water, he ended up going getting changed in like in like one of those like late sixties, like um, a polo shirts. That's like a sweater, yeah. knit, like a lightweight sweater knit. And it has like, it's a, got the full fashion, like it's all fully fashion knit, which is really beautiful. And it oh, was yeah. really, really well. Just, like he looked great. Like, no, the, there were, the and there were some fit, great, like, like you're right. Like the, like almost like the fine gauge sweaters with the shirt underneath it. Like yeah. that, they look good. Mm-hmm. They look good. Even though they're wearing like yeah. the, the pants are a little higher. We're probably not like, not used to seeing that today it actually it actually cut a a good figure for a lot of like for some of these guys it gives you sort of a smoother line you know like i get it people don't understand but people don't understand is like when they're like their pants are so high their pants are so high you have to understand is like when you wear pants that are higher your shirts can be shorter Mm -hmm. it makes you look so much taller granted your your rise is going to be much longer on it so it's going to make you look like like a five foot eight man is going to look like six foot two i think it also gives you like more waist definition because your your pants totally and, and then it makes your shoulders more broad so it actually gives you more yeah, of like your a waist yeah because your waist yeah because what happens is your shirt hits at your natural waist or a little bit higher mm-hmm. so it actually can cut in smaller and make you look broad like make you look yeah. more of that um v shape which you'd actually want yeah. so mm. like a lot of people it's so funny oh, I, I think i even saw a guy oh man i saw a guy trying on a pair of like uh trying on a dress shirt in like top man or something or uh-huh. top shop and it, it was like 
he was like bitching and moaning to his mom, which I was like, first of all, you're too old to be shopping with your mom. Oh, and it man. Was, I mean, it was ballooning out of the back and all this stuff. He's like, hey, how he does that in the back? And I'm just like, your pants are too low. Yeah. <laughs> because if you had pants that were higher, your pant, your ja- your pa- your shirt wouldn't bellow out in the back, which makes you look bigger. And that's it's a whole thing. I know. It's, it's a whole just, thing. People don't even know how to dress. We just don't, don't want to, to admit. Yeah. We just don't want to admit that a higher waist pant just makes you look slimmer. It, it does. You know, on a guy. Yeah. Like nobody wants to admit it, but that's how it goes. And I've, it's funny um, because I feel like women, women are more. It, we were more willing to embrace the higher waisted pant again. Like those have come back for oh, sure. Yeah. And it, almost because totally. it's like again with that understanding of like, wow, you know, actually sometimes with a higher waist, it can, uh, you know, it can look better. It can actually fit better. You know, it's I and, mean, and, and legs it, for days. Yeah, right. And then just <laughs> also too, like days. if you if you're particularly curvy, you know, having some or higher waisted, like these can be it can be better for it. It I just it, yeah, it hasn't caught on with men. I think that whole like the well, the 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 pant the slight the sag to the pant has is is here to stay, I unfortunately, uh for yeah. a lot of things. But but yeah, you're right. Like I think the more you can sort of uh tighten that up and it doesn't sag as much and the it does look more expensive. like it looks better. You look better. You look more expensive. Oh, yeah. I love it. You know, and it does look more trim and and yeah, you're right. Like the the shirt will tuck in and lay better underneath your pants. It's a whole thing, guys. It's a whole thing. It's a whole you know, thing. take note. These it's guys it may it may seem different, but they look good. They look good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's a reason why all their pa- their shit hangs right. It's because it's it's on the right part of their body, you know? <laughs> it's true, right? Like it's it's positioned properly. Um, yeah, I, I totally <laughs> agree with that. I can't say could not have said it better. Um was there anything else we need to discuss about this movie before um, we sign off? I don't know. I guess that's about it. Just um I'm really I'm really I glad mean, we did this movie. This was sort of like a last minute switcheroo. Originally we were gonna do another Frank Tashlin movie, but I felt it was more appropriate for Christmas. And um oh, and yeah. so I think that this was this was on Warner Archives. If anyone wants to go see it, you know, it's it's there. Um so we, we I picked it, I sort of took a chance on it. Um and again, it was just, uh, I remember I looked it up. I kind of was doing some light research and then I just saw a quick picture of Paul Lind and drag. And I was like, we're doing this. I don't know. I don't know anything about this movie. <laughs> I just, I just, I, it was a flash of Paul Lind's face with a red beehive wig with a giant bow in it. I was like, I don't know what this is. We're going, we're doing, we're going for it. And that's when I told you, I was like, we're doing it. I don't know what it is. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And, uh, it's yep. been a delight. It's been a delight ever since. So, um, I'm really glad we picked it. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, yeah. It was really good. Um, yeah. The only thing that I do want to mention about this movie, and I know it's a reach, but um, think about also another thing to, I've always, when we talked about this movie originally, I was like very fascinated about it because of Doris Day's connections with the Manson family. Oh, right. Her son. Yes. Yes. Wildly interesting. Yes. So in case you you don't know. So the reason that Doris Day is connected to the Manson family, it's a little bit of a six degrees of sex separation. So her son, Terry Melcher, it, her only child in 1968, um, Beach Boy Dennis Wilson Wilson was introduced had introduced Terry Melcher to ex con and aspiring musician Charles Manson. Manson and his family. Um, so this was two years later. So mm-hmm. Manson and his quote family had been living with Ed Wilson's house after Wilson had picked up the hitchhikers, um, hitchhiking Manson family members, um, uh, Pat Patricia Pat Krenwinkel and Ella Joe. Bailey, um, Wilson had expressed interest in Manson's music and also even recorded Manson's song with the, um, a couple of Manson songs with the Beach Boys. So Melcher was interested in recording Manson's music as well um, as making a film about the family and their hippie commune existence. So Manson, Manson ended up meeting Terry Melcher at the house that Melcher shared with his then-girlfriend actress Candace Bergen, yep. a.k.a. Murphy Brown. We share a birthday. Um, I so, just want to say we share a birthday. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So not, not the same year, that, obviously, sure. people, please. But I'm just like. <laughs> Um, so not long after that, um, Melcher and Bergen ended up moving out of the house that they leased from, um, and then the house was then leased to director Roman Polanski yep. and his wife, actress Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. Ma- um, Manson was reported to have visited the house on more than one occasion asking for Melcher, but he was told that Melcher had moved. So on August 9th of 1969, the Manson family returned to the house and murdered Sharon Tate, who was eight months pregnant at the time. They also murdered coffee heiress Abigail Folger, hairdresser Jay Sebring, and writer, um, Fry will 
Chowski um, and uh, Stephen Parent. Um, so many people theorize that the retaliation, this was retaliation for Melcher rejecting Manson's music, um, but apparently this is inconsistent with um, this is inconsistent with the reports that Manson knew that Melcher had previously moved and even knew where Melcher had moved to. So it's super interesting. Like, I know this has nothing to do with the movie, but thinking about that this was released two years prior to all of this happening was, well, tech, two years before he even met um, the Charles Manson and then a year before the murders. I mean, it's super interesting to think about. This is all kind of brewing underneath the current of Los Angeles and all of that stuff oh so, for sure times were really weird it was really <laughs> weird and um i know like my mom i i should one of these days i need to like record her talking but she grew up during this time um and uh had really talked about how what a profound influence all this all of this happened you know had on just the whole city yeah. and living there and everybody at the time um and uh and and the thing with doris day is like she you know she had terry when she was 20 years old and they were more almost like uh from what i understand like they were almost like a like a like more like siblings than than like mother and daughter and mm. yeah or sorry my mother and son and uh when all this had happened this had actually shortly happened after uh martin melcher had died and all that embezzlement shit had happened so this was like a really crazy time if you can imagine like all this had happened and then that that happened on top of it um but it was really crazy like um yeah. he ended up uh I think he ended up leaving and going into hiding. Um, he, he got crazy security guards. I mean, this really, you know, I mean, it's completely it really, it really changed. Yeah. It really, really changed his life. And he, you can imagine the amount of guilt you must feel knowing oh that God, this kind yeah. of thing could happen. So, um, and, and also too, like, um, he, he also was a huge supporter of his mom. Like when all this shit came out with his mom's money and all this, like, it sounds like Martin Melcher, like he actually, so he ended up, Martin Melcher sort of adopted Terry Melcher and gave him his name. Right. But he was not a good guy. He he did not sound like he was a great in guy. The, and great and in then the long run. Yeah, and Terry Melcher was actually really instrumental and key in helping his mom like recoup her finances and take care of herself and take care of all that and helping her start her business. Like they were running that business and stuff together but when he passed and so like yeah, it was it, it was really you know, like when we when we do these movies, it's it's really interesting how like these little rabbit holes of uh, information that we end up finding, and there's like a such a bigger picture around it. Um, but yeah, this is such a fucking crazy, interesting time in L.A. at that is time. That it's so engrossing. It's so strange. It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, just that. So that I just crazy six degrees that. of separation with this so much. And like now it's like I'm telling you, I really, really want to like watch a bunch of Rowan and Martin's laughing because I love it just brought back a lot of really positive memories of watching that on nick at night as a kid i just loved oh that God, show yeah. it was on back in the 80s when i was a kid and i was just like what who, was this made for just for me like what is this you know? <laughs> <laughs> i was a huge fan of goldie hawn and joanne worley like the two of them together i just they uh, were like I love these, her these like they were like my people i just love them so I much it, it gave so me like carte good. blanche to like i wanted to be that i wanted to be fabulous and loud and funny and like just yeah i loved it <laughs> Anyway, wow. but um, yeah, well, I'm glad we did this movie and yeah, talking yeah, about all of that. And I hope we, you know, we do another Doris Day vehicle soon. Like, I feel like this really gave me a lot of doing this movie. I gave me an opportunity to sort of with all the research. It gave me a lot more insight and context into her. And now I'm like more fascinated. Yeah. So I would really love to do like the pajama game or something like that. You know, like one of those. Oh, one yeah, of those that'd kind be of fun. Movies. I think I've, it'd be really I've fun. Seen, I've yeah, and I've seen Pillow Talk. That's a good one too. Oh, okay. It's yeah, I cute. think I think these yeah. could be really fun, you know, to talk and dish. And she does have some amazing looks. Oh, hell Let's yeah. face it, she's a yeah, she she, does. she has some gorgeous, gorgeous clothes. So she knows how to yep. wear clothes. She does. She um, does. So uh, th the, with that, yes. thanks for joining us, Thank ladies you. and gentlemen. Um, you can always hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Old Hollywood Realness, um, Old Hollywood Realness on Instagram. You can tweet at us at, at OHR Podcast. You can email us all of your thoughts and prayers, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. You can uh, definitely check out the website because we'll have um, the photo recap montages up. So um, oldhollywoodrealness.com. And while you're there, you can click our Amazon banner when you're shopping on Amazon. Um, it helps us out when you shop using that link so just click the link and shop like you normally would 
and um, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating would be great and leave us a review so that we can read it on the podcast, which we're excited to do. Um, and got to give thanks to our buddy Hal Lublin for yeah. his audio, his vocal talents at the top of the podcast. Um, always loving that. Um, in the meantime, thanks for listening to OHR. Bye.